Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. I turn your attention today to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Chapter 24, now upon the first day, verse 1 says of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in. They found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were muched perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and they bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. I've come to preach for a short while for which you can say amen, but I've come to preach the most powerful truth that mankind knows. He lives. Jesus lives. As it is our custom, I think it's a great moment for us to pray. The word is anointed, but let us pray that we might receive what the word would have for us today. Lord, we pray right now over our hearts and our minds. This very scripture challenges us that we were to be not just hearers, but doers of the word also. I pray that you would touch my voice and you would help me to speak with wisdom and clarity under the anointing of your spirit. I pray that I might relay your word in a way that it so pleases you. I pray that you would bless every individual that's under the sound of my voice right here and right now, that we might together proclaim that you live and you live in our lives. We thank you for it and let everybody shout amen. God bless you, and you may be seated here today. Everyone in the room that would be honest about the actions and the moments of that time, they were gruesome. Even today, as Brother Devin was singing the particular part of that solo, although he knew the words which were about to come through the mouth of his was the fact that he rose and he was alive, the preceding words had to be that he suffered and that he bled and that he died. In all of the debate over Christianity, there is no great historical account in all of commentaries and historians that argue the death of Christ. It is his resurrection that has taken so much heat. But there is a continual understanding that he did very much suffer bleed and die for you 
and for me. And it is why we had this portion of prayer just a little while ago. Those stripes were not in vain. Somebody say amen. amen. The stripes that he took upon his back, no, they were not in vain. They were for you and they were for me. They were for healing. They had been prophesied in Isaiah and they had been spoken again by Christ himself in the gospel. And we know that what he endured was real. There's a reason why we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but he went through things like we did. He suffered in the flesh and he endured with his own humanity some of the processes that we endure. And so when we are feeling low or we are feeling hopeless or we are feeling overwhelmed, he has the opportunity and the ability, like Brother Evan said when he was up here, to know what it was to be in that very garden and say, my father, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Oh, but how many are thankful? He said, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, not the will of my flesh, not my will, but thy will be done. I must remind us, though, it is a bleak moment in history for those who have been close enough to gather his scent, those that have been close enough to get near to touch him, those that have heard the reverberations of his voice, those who have been near while the miracles have been done and the love has been shown. And among them, the, the, the first few to run that very day is Mary and the other women who are running to the tomb. They are going and the Bible says they are going with spices. There had been words spoken that on the third day he was going to raise again. But they were there when they saw the punishment. They were there when they saw the agonizing torture. For us, the cross has been a story that we've learned in Sunday school and preached from lecterns and pulpits throughout our lives. But they were there. They saw the weight that seemed overwhelming upon his body. Simon is grabbed to help bear that cross. They were there when the blood literally cascaded down off of his body and his flesh tore open. They were there when they took him down, those nail prints in his hands and feet and that gaping hole in his side. They were there and when he died, a part of them died. Their closeness, their affection, their proximity spoke to their love and their genuine adoration for Christ. And when he was taken off of that cross, they themselves had a part of their heart taken from them. And it was early on that Sunday morning that she was coming and they were joining her. There were spices that had been prepared. They want to anoint this body. They want to make sure that the rot of death does not creep in. But ladies and gentlemen, Gentlemen, when they got to the tomb, he was not there. And they were overwhelmed. The Bible even says that they were perplexed. It was a shocking situation. How many in this room have found that if anybody can shock you, he can shock you? Because even though you know sometimes there are promises and there are words that are given, we all frail in our own humanity have known what it is to see promises broken. And they were no different than we who sat here today. They had had promises broken. You study the life of Mary Magdalene. There had been things she had hoped for and longed for, but promises had been broken and things had been deterred. And he, he, in fact, this Christ, this Jesus, 
He had become the very thing for which she had begun to live. In him, she had found her life. In him, she had found her hope. In him, she had found her being. And no one asked her opinion when they took him from her. No one asked the mother of Jesus, this other Mary, if they had her permission to do this unto her child. She was the one, after all, that the angel had appeared to and told this young virgin girl that she was going to birth. No one had asked her opinion. And haven't you found it just to be the same? No one asked your opinion when hurt showed up to your door. No one asked your opinion when devastating loss came to your house. No one asked your opinion when that doctor's report came in. No one asked your report when that breakup. No one asked your opinion and no one asked theirs. And they came in this broken place of life to find the brokenness of his body. But when they found that tomb, they found the only thing that was not broken was his promise. And I remind everybody under the sound of my voice, he is a promise keeper. If he's ever given you a promise, you can take it to the bank. His promises are yea and amen. But here's the news. The word gives the promise, we give the amen. So I rise on an Easter morning and I say, if the promise is strength, I say amen. If the promise is hope, I say amen. If the promise is joy, I say, nudge your neighbor and tell him, amen. Amen. He's not there. And the angels are there. And they ask them an incredible question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? It's actually a little bit of a frustrating question. But sometimes we need to have our flesh ruffled to get us back in alignment with the promises of God. And if you look at those whom he begins to appear to, you'll find that he is unrecognizable in the beginning. Through tears and through weariness and through turmoil, when he first appears unto her, he, he is not even recognized. And, and on the road that is about to ensue as they are on their way to Emmaus, there's no understanding. The Bible says that he comes and he walks with the two upon their way. And as he walks with them, they don't know. And he even asks them, what are you so bothered about? And they looked at him and they said, you must be the only guy that hasn't been on Facebook. How do you not know? Haven't you checked on Instagram? Jesus was crucified. And they were so overwhelmed with their situation that they could not see the resurrected Savior. It's not until they get into that place where the Bible says he took and he began to bless and break and they slowed down from their travel and they begin to feast one with another and the Bible says their eyes were open and they recognized who it was and they begin to recount and said, wait a minute, on the road to Emmaus did not our hearts burn within us? I've come to remind somebody today, even when you felt alone, he's been with you. Even though the enemy has tried to tell you your promise is dead and your hope is in the tomb, 
If you could get your head into the tomb, you would find that he is risen and your promise is alive. Why? How? How could it be? He lives. He lives. He lives. Turn in your Bible with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, written by an incredible man by the name of Paul. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Please catch that. He said, I'm delivering to you what I got. How that Christ died for our sins. Everybody read those next words. According. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day. Everybody read these. According. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present. Some are fallen asleep. Verse 7 says, after that, he was seen of James, then all the apostles. He was even seen by that guy who said, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail. And last of all, Paul said, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. The worst thing for the devil's plan were the witnesses of the resurrection. The one thing that historians cannot reason away are the witnesses of the resurrection. I've read the books. I've read the scholars. I've looked at the historians. I've checked the sources. And I've come with good news for you. He lives. He said, I want to let you know something. Just in case you're doubting. Cephas saw him. Then the 12 saw him. Then he went to 500 people at one time. We got nearly a couple thousand in here today. Then he went to James. Then any of those apostles that were doubting. And Paul said, but let me tell you something. Just in case you don't value the witness of what I'm saying. I saw him for myself. I've, I've experienced him for myself. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul was a mess. I was in a service one time, and there was a gentleman there visiting the service, and he was weeping, and I went to him, and I, I began to talk to him, and I said, are you okay? He said, no, not okay. I said, I, said, I want to pray with you. What, what can we do? Can, can we pray? He said, I don't think God wants me here. I said, I, I, trust me, he does. He said, do you know anybody that's killed people? I said, he does want you here. He does. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad I was able to go to the guy who authored the bulk of the New Testament and tell that guy, if Saul, if Saul, who persecuted the Christians and saw to their death and their imprisonment, if Jesus Christ could change his heart, then Jesus Christ can touch any heart and any life and anybody any individual, you, no one has gone too far. No one has done too much. I know there's a part of you that might be dead, but good news, he can bring it all back to life because he lives, he lives, he lives. There was, there was this woman, um, it's, it's this woman by the name of Brownie. What a delicious name. <laughs> Days like this give we Americans a opportunity to overeat as if we need a reason. But days like this, there's always leftovers. Who in here, you're just, you're a leftover guy. You, you're a leftover gal. You like leftovers. If you don't like lasagna the second day, see how the room shifted? Oh, I feel something in the room. I don't know if that was the spirit or the stomach, but I felt it in the room right now. <laughs> this guy here, Mr. Tupper, he comes out with this, this little rubberized invention for keeping food in the 40s, and it's setting on shelves, and they got it in department stores, but nobody wants it. Nobody wants to buy it. Why would I buy that ridiculous container when I got tinfoil? There is nothing appealing about looking in the fridge and there's just a blob of foil. You ever prayed while you're pulling something out of the freezer? Just Lord bless this if it be possible. Sometimes you thaw stuff you didn't recognize till it got completely thawed and then you still weren't sure. Oh, Mr. Tupper came up with this incredible invention called Tupperware. But did you know that when it first came out, nobody was buying it? He got it into stores, but stores couldn't get it off the shelves until this sweet little lady named Brownie Wise started carrying it into houses. She had found that for her business, nothing kept food visible and edible like this little plastic stuff, this little rubberized stuff. And she started going from house to house to house, having these house parties. And the knowledge of Tupperware went through the roof because one lady said, I'm going to take this to every house I can. Old Tupper got pretty quick, brought him on staff, and the rest, as they say. If you got Tupperware in your house, raise your hand. You got some. Thank you, Brownie. Thank you, Brownie. If you're still eating mystery meat, you need to talk to your family today about, I want to see it before I eat it. She believed in it, as simple as it was. Paul, why would you put yourself on the line like this? 
You know how you know how strong these persecutors are. You were the chief among them. Yeah, but when I met him, when I felt him, when I experienced him. I want to give everybody in the room that maybe you're not used to being at Calvary or maybe you're not used to being at this church and it was really celebratory and you were wondering, my God, have mercy. Why are we standing so much? And, and then people started jumping up and down and you didn't know if there was fire ants in the room. And, and, and then a couple people took off running and you didn't know what was happening. Is there an evacuation? I want, just in case you're not familiar, all over this house, there are people that were imprisoned. There are people that were lost. There are people that were addicted to alcohol and drugs. There are people, people that know they were on their way to hell, but he found them and he picked them up and he changed their life. Somebody told him, if you repent, he'll wash your sins away. You gotta repent. You gotta be baptized. You gotta be filled with the Spirit. And so we come in here on Sunday and we come in here on Wednesday. That's what we do right there. Every now and then we just run a little bit. We leap a little bit. We shout a little bit. Because He lives. But not just He lives. He lives in me. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but... Christ lives in me. Let me help you with a couple scriptures before we're done today. Matthew chapter 16. Are you okay? Matthew 16, verse 16. Now, I don't always do this, but I really like to. And since you showed up and I'm sweaty, you can read with me for a second. I told my wife I can't wear a gray suit when I preach. And she said, don't preach long. So I won't preach long. <laughs> I see what she did. I'm going to be getting letters for the gray suit. He doesn't preach as long in the gray suit. And Simon answered and said, that was like maybe a quarter of the church. We're going to do it again. And may, I wasn't clear with my directions. So I'm going to say the first part. When I point at you, you read. And Simon Peter answered and said, Woo! You know, he said that in front of the rest of the disciples. Sometimes you just got to be so obnoxious that you speak up about who he is. We are living in a world where everybody's taking the voice but the Christians. I'm not, I don't believe in that. I believe in the freedom of speech, but I believe Christians, we've got a right to speak. We are not going to be the silent majority. We're going to speak up. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17 says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, For flesh and blood... I know you're just a guy, but something's got you, boy. Nobody in this room is claiming to be more than just a guy. Brother Coogan, I'm so comfortable that I'm just a dude from a cornfield. I'm way more comfortable. Brother Leach just recently gave me a Stetson cowboy hat. I 
I wore it around the house the other day. I just wore it around the house. (laughs) I'm just a guy. You're just a male. You're just a female. You're just a person. But when God starts working on you. Verse 18. Here we go. And I say also unto thee. Remember this discourse of Paul writing to the church at Corinth? He started by tying everything to the scripture. It's the same thing Mary, in, it's what she had encountered herself. The word had already said, he's gonna die, but he's gonna raise again. And Paul is writing to them just like the scripture said it. Just like the scripture said it. I got good news for the church in 2023. Here's what the scripture said. Upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And it might get dark and it might get bleak and it might get overwhelming, but even the gates of hell, they're not gonna be able to prevail against the church. What does that mean? You're the church. Who believes that Jesus Christ is alive and well. If you do say amen, Amen. you're the church. Who believes that there is power in the death, burial, and resurrection, say amen. amen. Then you're the church. Who believes that he not only lives, but lives in us, say amen. Amen. Then you're the church. And so I know there might be some darkness, but good news. No matter the attack, no matter the anxiety, no matter the depression, no matter the warfare, no matter what's taking place in the world as large, there is no devil in hell, there is no sickness on earth, there is no principality, there is no power that can annihilate the church. For even the gates of hell shall not prevail. Somebody else shall not prevail. Say it again, shall not prevail against me. Brother Trano, against you. The devil wants your family. No, 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 no. My family's a part of the church. Brother Turner, missionary to another country. Whether you're standing in Indianapolis or whether you're standing on foreign field, it's not about you. It's not about the geography. It's about the man Christ Jesus. God manifest in the flesh and justified in the spirit And we are the church and we will not be intimidated and we will not be backed down and we will not be weak and we will not be lethargic for the gates of hell shall not prevail. One more scripture and I'm gonna let you go eat chicken. Go to Revelation. I've got the Holy I feel the Spirit of God. Revelation chapter 12. If you're there in your Bible, say amen. If you're looking at the jumbotron, say I'm cheating. Okay. (laughs) All right, cheaters, here we go. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. 
which accused them before our God day and night. I am not saying there's not an accuser. There is. There is an accuser of the brethren. Hell wants you to fail. Satan himself wants you to be destroyed. This very scripture that Paul would reference for our strength is the same scripture that says he is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. But it is followed or chased by the fact that Jesus has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. And so while you're trying to live, there has been an accuser of the brethren. But John, in his revelation on the Isle of Patmos and his glimpse into glory, he said, I saw this. And verse 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and loved their lives unto The devil that doesn't want your family to be blessed. You get to square your shoulders on a Sunday morning in 2023 and say, I know what you want, but I know what he's given. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I ask you this question. If Brownie could believe that much in Tupperware, who believes more in the gospel? I guess in the next two minutes, I'm looking for people that do not want to be passive Christians, but you want to be resolute about your faith and you want to be, you want to be obvious and you would say, wait a minute. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. It doesn't matter if you're from the right side or the wrong side of the tracks. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're precious in his sight. It doesn't matter whether you're fifth generation in the church or this is your first day ever. I've got good news for you. Because he lives, you can live. Because he lives, you can live. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. Stand with me. Now, we have a lot of educators, a lot of first responders, a lot of individuals who put themselves on the line to bless other people all the time. You know, time is of the essence in your profession. Might I tell you, time is of the essence today. From the balcony to the lower level and our kids that are in kids' church downstairs. We must have families that overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I'm asking you to lift your hands with me all over this room. I know he lives, but my assignment is to ask you, does he live in your house? With hands lifted, if you would so indulge this moment and allow me as the pastor to ask you a very intentional and important question. Would you do self-evaluation? And would you ask the Lord in this moment, please live in my life and live in my house.
If there's anything wrong, any sin in my heart, any sin in my mind, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me, oh God? Paul said it was scripture. I'll tell you what else this scripture says. That if you'll repent, he is faithful and he is just. He'll forgive every sin. For anyone in this room, you've been trying to do it by your own might or your own power. The Bible says it's not by might or power, but it's by his spirit. For the Simon Peter of the text that you've been a little up and down. You loved him, but you've denied him. You've been wayward. You've been a little bit of a prodigal. Good news for you. You can be brought deeply back into the kingdom this day. For the Paul that used to be a Saul and you've afflicted others for wanting to live for for him and you've made fun of individuals for trying to give their lives to him or maybe you've just been contentious in your workplace or in your family. Good news for you today. He's still calling. He's still reaching. I tell you and I submit to you here today, I cannot face tomorrow without him. But in the 70s, a group called the Gaithers penned a beautiful, beautiful song that while most hymns are that things of antiquity, this one only 50 years old has found itself into nearly 40 hymnals translated into many Language And these are the words to the chorus that you will see on the screen. It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. To anyone in this room, who this last year has plagued you with the thoughts that life is not worth it. You have felt the sting of depression and the true depth of darkness. I submit to you, he lives. He lives. I understand in a crowd of this size for the bulk of us, They're going to come and sing and for the bulk of us, our altar will be made in our pew. But for those that are willing and able, I'm asking for some families to come together around the front and from the balcony together in the center. And even if you can't come, I'm asking you for take the hands of family members. And I'm asking for us to pray. If you're a single here today, you're not alone. You're a part of this family and someone near you would love to take you by the hand or lay their hand upon your shoulder. We don't want anyone to feel awkward, but we want all to feel welcomed into this prayer. We need him to be alive in our families. The family unit is being bombarded in our world and we need him to be alive and well in our marriages in our families, in our children's lives. We need to get God back into our schools, but how can we get God into our schools if we don't get Him in our homes? 
I open this altar right now. I want some husbands to take your wives and I want some students to grab with your parents. I want you to begin to come to this altar. I want some of our mature members to lead the way right now. Some of our regular saints to lead the way. I want to fill this altar. I want to fill that center, fill the front line. They're going to sing. I want you to pray as long as you want to pray. And then when you're done, you'll be dismissed in Jesus' name. We love you. We pray blessing upon your family. Let's pray.